Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Nice Cast on Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by ourselves, Rotoviz. Pro Bowl week, or what would have been Pro Bowl week, is in the books. We are into Super Bowl week. Are we allowed to say that? Uh, we're into big game week. This isn't an ad, so actually we're allowed to say the Super Bowl as long as we're not talking about an ad. So we're into uh, the, the big game week, Buccaneers versus the Chiefs in Tampa. Uh, I do have breaking news um, from the Twitter timeline. They're not going to allow Raymond James to fire the cannons during the Super Bowl. <laughs> That's good. It shouldn't. Uh, it shouldn't be an overwhelming home field advantage. Oh yes, because the, the 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 cannons are what would beat the Chiefs. Yep. It's it's well. I mean, I think historically that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Oh wow, that worked out way too well. Oh boy. Um. So we're looking forward to Super Bowl week. We're getting our buffalo wings, our buffalo chicken dip ready. And last week we were supposed to end our ranking summit, but uh, Dan, he, he took a gastrointestinal pill, and that wasn't <laughs> enough to do a tight end show last week. He's going to try and stomach a tight end show this week. Yeah, I, I faked a bunch of really good reasons to not have to be there last week, just so I didn't have to talk about tight ends. Uh, <laughs> no, real, real life uh, came into play, and well, real life work. But yeah, so we're back. We're, we're finishing up the series today on quite easily the worst topic. It's going to get a little more enjoyable, though, when we get Kyle Pitts. So, you know, there's that we have to look forward to, but we won't be doing our rookie stuff for a while. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure that we'll I mean, I, I was going to say that once the combine, but there is no combine. So um, <laughs> we won't have a combine show in the next couple of weeks. But we do have the tight ends to talk about this evening, and why don't we? Why don't we just get right into it? And maybe maybe we can get some big game predictions as we head out today. Tight end position. Some will say it's a tier of one. Some will say it's a tier of two. I will say it's a tier of two, but the the two is dropping because of age. I have George Kittle tight end one tier one, and he's close to by himself. What? Are you, are you saying you don't have Travis Kelsey? Uh, I mean, you don't, you, have, you don't have George Kittle tied in one. You said George Kittle, yeah, not Travis Kelsey? I did say George Kittle, yes. Yeah, no, I'm I, I, George Kittle's number two, and he's in his own tier, but it is absolutely 100% Travis Kelsey in tier one by himself, and there's probably a tier in between. But Why? Because he's 31, he's at, he showed no signs of, of decline, and he's got the best quarterback in the history of the universe. Sure, but George Kittle is 27. He's four years younger. And he's also got a quarterback not to be seen and hasn't produced. He's produced. Don't get me wrong. He has elite production. He does not produce what Travis Kelsey produces. I would take three years less of Kelsey for those numbers than three years more of Kittle. Yeah, I mean... When we do these nice rings, I, I say it over and over that I'm looking at it from a startup lens. There will never be a startup draft where I draft a Travis Kelsey. There will not be a startup draft where I draft right. a 31 year old tight end ever. I mean, even if even if Gronk had a healthy career and was at 31, not going to happen. But I will say, I it's a tier of two. I, I might have been a bit, a bit hyperbolic by saying Kelsey is not even in the top tier. He's in the top tier with George Kittle. I. We just haven't seen 
this type of like we haven't seen this hundred catch, you know, thousand plus yard, ten plus touchdown seasons from thirty one year old tight ends. We're seeing it from Kelsey now. We have Patrick Mahomes, but it's how how long is this this sustainable? Well, I think it's sustainable as long as Travis Kelsey stays healthy, and he's proven that he can do that. Um, because we know he's going to get the work that offense features him. And I think it needs to, in order to continue to succeed, it, it kind of leans on Travis Kelsey because he really is an unstoppable force. You can only hope to contain the man. And George Kittle is very good. He does everything very well, very similarly to Travis Kelsey, different offense, different, uh, you know, opposing weapons that don't necessarily help get him open. Now, Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel will start to help get Kittle open, but we also need to see all of these guys healthy. And we also have to worry about Ayuk and Debo potentially taking some of that work. The only person that, that Kelsey has to compete with is Tyreek Hill. And it's not a, a big volume thing for Hill. Hill is pretty efficient. He's more of a big play type guy. And we know they're feeding Travis Kelsey. We don't know that they're going to feed George Kittle all the time, especially now that Shanahan's starting to get more toys to play with. And I would expect them to add running backs into the mix as well soon and, and get some of Shanahan's guys, not the dead bodies of Tevin Coleman, Jarek McKinnon, Matt Breida, those types. Uh, I, I think we really start to see this San Francisco offense develop everything except quarterback. Yeah, and quarterback is not necessarily – like guaranteed not going to – there is going to be change at quarterback, I think. I, I don't see Jimmy Garoppolo starting week one for the 49ers. I think that they end up trading up in a big trade to move up and get a quarterback. Or there's the Watson opportunity as well. So – or even the Kirk Cousins opportunity, which I think any of those guys – a rookie, Kirk Cousins, Watson, any of those guys are a huge upgrade over Garoppolo. And so – I don't like to make valuations. I don't like to make moves based off of potential. But yes, Kelsey has Mahomes, but Kittle's situation can be improving quickly. Might take some obstacles, but I'll take the the age factor here and just r- roll with Kittle. So, in order for San Francisco to bring in a different quarterback, it's going to take some serious maneuvering uh they still have two big boy years of jimmy garoppolo's contract left and dead cap isn't isn't as bad his dead cap is the low out of all the quarterbacks that people have been rumored he's the one that like and i i made you know myself look ridiculous last week by saying it's so hard to trade these quarterbacks and what oh we haven't we didn't bring it up because we're talking tight ends we have the stafford and golf trade that we but the Stafford golf trade proved, okay, these teams are willing to eat this cap. I was not anticipating two franchises eating 10 plus million dollars in cap and both the lions and Rams did it. Right. So I would still assume that they're going to have to move Jimmy Garoppolo with, which with the dead cap shouldn't be difficult. Finding someone to take him may end up proving a little more difficult than they may think, but then making sure that they have the cap space to, take on whoever they bring in because if they bring in Derek Carr or if they if they try to make a big move and go get like Aaron Rodgers you don't have the cap space to get those guys yet. Well sure, but also but also a big trade up for a, a Lance or a Wilson like in the rookie obviously the rookie uh option is not a cap option. 
Right. And um, uh, this isn't a quarterback's episode, but quarterback for me in this sense means a lot more than it does further down the list. Um, separating these two, I mean, the Mahomes factor is essentially everything, which is why I have Travis Kelsey where I have him. It's, and you said you don't like to base your moves off of potential. Every, every avenue, aside from probably Aaron Rodgers, which is still just a potential thing, is all based on potential. There isn't any surefire certain 100%. The only 100% we have in this equation is that Travis, McKelsey, Travis Kelsey has Patrick Mahomes, and that's unstoppable. All righty, let's move on to our next tier. Might be some early uh, early disagreements. It's going to get weird. I can guarantee oh, okay. that. Here we go. All right, so I'm going to say my next tier is a tier of three. It is Noah Fant, TJ Hawkinson, Mark Andrews. So before I get to my younger folks, I have to start that second tier with a guy in his prime who's producing like a madman in an offense that has he, no other he's weapon. He's right outside this tier. Darren Waller. He's only 28, and he's been the guy that's produced the way we want all of these other guys to produce, and he's doing it in an offense that doesn't have other weapons. Um, there's, I, in my opinion, he's closer to Kittle than Kittle is to Kelsey. That, that, I think that might be a hot take. I mean, I, I think part of Waller, you said it, the lack of weapons that like when, Oak, when, when rug starts to get more involved, when Brent, Brian Edwards gets starting to get more involved, this large target volume is going to decrease over time. Yes, he's good, but I'm just not sure he's top five tight end good that can overcome, you know, weapons outside of himself. I think that's probably where we differ. I, I see Darren Waller as one of the premier move tight ends. He was a wide receiver that I fell in love with in the draft process when he was a rookie and he made the transition to tight end. It took a little bit of time, but I mean, we're seeing the fruits of that right now. He's, absolutely what we would want someone like Evan Ingram to be all of these guys that are going to be right behind him for me. Uh, this is what we're hoping for in two years, right? We, we hope they can put up Darren Waller numbers, but Darren Waller's doing it now and he's only 28. Yeah. And my thought is always, this is a forward thinking game. How much is he going to be able to re repeat it as the weapons develop around him? And I, I'm not obviously. I have a one spot lower. I, I have him at tight end six after these three. So I, it's not like I'm saying you know throw him in the trash can here. I just think the up the long term upside, the long term sustainability is higher with Fant, Hawkinson, and Andrews. Okay, and that's that's totally fair. And for reference, so Waller is three for me. I have then Mark Andrews, Noah Fant, Dallas Goddard, and then T.J. Hawkinson. Um, I I thought about sliding Hawkinson down just a little bit because of now no Matthew Stafford, but we'll see what, what that offense brings, I guess. Maybe Stafford wasn't the one propping him up and maybe, maybe Watson can do that. Or um, I mean, that, that offense is going to be bad, but he is going like Hawkinson. Hawkinson could do, could do what Waller has done in, in Vegas slash Oakland, where he's the only show in town. He's going to get this funnel of targets. I'm not saying that the Lions are going to enter 2021 with Quintus Cephas as their wide receiver one, but 
Hawkinson is a candidate to be a high target tight end simply because there's not much around him. Right, right. So, uh, you know, he he could be higher. He's he and Fant are are the youngest of this group, and I think the youngest of the real premier tight ends. I just I, I struggle with what that offense is going to look like, and if he can if he can do it consistently enough. I, I feel like his big the big missing opportunity is consistency with Hawkinson. When he does it, he's great, but a lot of times he disappears or he's hurt. Uh, and that's kind of the nature of the beast with tight end for the most part. But uh, I really hope to see Baltimore and, and Lamar Jackson get back to what we saw last year in, in the passing game and see Mark Andrews return to that. I think Mark Andrews, again, is one of the better tight ends in the league, and he's got an offense that favors the position. They just kind of got away from it, I, I think, a little bit this year. It could potentially be a really nice buy-low opportunity. And Noah Fant is someone I, I just, I genuinely think, even with Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy, he'll continue to produce as well because he's that good. Yeah, and with, with Fant, I, I think that Fant has the higher ceiling than Hawkinson. I think Hawkinson has the higher floor. But when Fant puts things together, when Fant has an actual quarterback, he can enter the, the Kittle-Kelsey tier. Oh, absolutely. I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think Hawkinson can. I don't think, I think Hawkinson, this is his ceiling, but I think his floor is not much below this. Uh, whereas Fant, his ceiling is tied in one overall. Yeah, I totally agree. I think Hawkinson's one of those guys that's just kind of stuck in that mid tight end one conversation. He's not going to be able to move up a whole lot, you know, depending on what his offense does around him. And he's really not going to go too much lower because he's kind of always going to have that value of it's TJ Hawkinson all of the draft capital, what if, hey, we have to wait for tight ends to start producing. That's just how tight ends work normally. So I, I do agree with that. I think TJ is one of those guys that has a, a very similar floor and ceiling. And then to wrap up this tier with Andrews, he didn't have quite the 2020 that we were hoping for here, but that Baltimore offense was just so weird. Like it wasn't as good as 2019. But it could have been worse, but they should have been using Andrew more. Am I wrong? Oh, yeah. yeah. The fact that he had, I mean, he only played 14 games, I guess. So he didn't even have 90 targets. Should have definitely had more than that. He still went 58 for 701 and 7, which I guess across 16 games is probably close to just about what he did last year. I just feel like the volume needs to be there. And we know it's not going to be a volume passing offense. Lamar Jackson isn't a volume thrower. He needs to be more efficient. We need Hollywood Brown to, to become a little more consistent. I think that's just going to help everyone. Once they make the full-time move to J.K. Dobbins, I, I think that offense starts to, to click a little bit better. Everyone gets back on the same page. Lamar Jackson bounces back after, I mean, he was a world beater um, in 2019. And we kind of... We saw Baltimore as a whole, like you mentioned, they, they were just weird. They got away from what they do best, and they kind of just were almost boring, which is really weird because Lamar Jackson is one of the most exciting players in the NFL. Well, they they weren't comfortable getting Dobbins involved early early on enough, and they weren't comfortable getting creative with Dobbins. Like, all right, we got J.K. Dobbins in. We're going to run a halfback dive for three yards. And after a, and a whole offseason of having Dobbins in the facility, you know, you know, practicing with Jackson, I'm hoping that they're able to get him more involved in the passing game and, you know, get more creative than, you know, your traditional halfback toss. I th they just really need to trust Lamar Jackson with the offense more. And I, th and I think with that, going back to what 2019 was, you're going to see 
the whole offense, the, you know, the premier players in the offense, whether it's Mark Andrews or Hollywood Brown or JK Dobbins all be more successful because they have the trust in Lamar Jackson to make those plays, to make those reads when he has to. Uh, it's it, yeah. 2020 was weird. All righty. Now let's go on to our next tier. Actually, I've, I feel like I've been introducing all the tiers here. What would be your next tier? Okay, so just a mini recap here. Um, Kelsey Kittle, one, two, however you have them. I had Darren Waller at the beginning of this tier. Nathan had him at the end of this tier. Uh, Mark Andrews, Noah Fant, Dallas Goddard, TJ Hawkinson. Did you have Dallas Goddard in that tier as well? I, I have got I, I, I have Goddard after Waller, and I, I, I don't have him in that tier. So I, it, just talking about Goddard, I, I think that he's just he's unfinished. And that when he gets when he gets finished, he he has the ceiling of the tight end one overall, like Fant does. But it, I mean, it, it can't just be the fact that he's behind Ertz. The reason why he's not a superstar yet, like he is a monster. He has a you know, if you were going to build a tight end, look at Dallas Goddard. Yep, he he should create <laughs> a player tight end. It's Dallas Goddard. And obviously the, the quarterback situation is in flux in Philly as well. But I love him. I think that he's very talented and can be very good, but out of every guy we've talked about so far, he has by far the, the lowest weekly floor. I'm not saying he has a low, I, I think for, in terms of a long-term perspective, his floor isn't low. Like he's, his floor is realistically a low end tight end one, but his weekly floor is like two targets, one catch for eight yards. Like that's a legitimate game that he'll have several times next year. Oh, absolutely. And, and you know how I play dynasty, you know what I, I my tendencies are having Dallas Goddard where I do is kind of a surprise to me, honestly, because I am normally the floor play. I, I kind of rank and value players more on their floor, less on their ceiling. Having Goddard here is fully a ceiling play for me. I don't think he has a whole lot of wiggle room to go up. Uh, you know, he could get to that super tier, but it's going to require Earth's volume and only Goddard getting it, right? Uh, so uh, that's that's kind of the jump we need to see again inconsistencies he's only 25 or 26 um this is the start of the tight end prime we we get that three-year window when they learn how to play football but in that period dallas goddard's produced decently he hasn't been a world beater yet he's not putting up crazy numbers but he's doing enough to kind of shine light on what should be coming in this next portion of his career And, and Honestly, he should be probably a little, a tiny bit higher. Um, but again, that's thinking on potential rather than being a little more realistic with him. So, uh, what, what, what tight end overall do you have? Because I have a tight end seven. I have him at six. So we're basically the same. Yeah. It's just a, probably a tier difference. Yeah, I have him within yeah. that tier. Yeah, and te- technically, I, I would have said that like Fant, TJH. Andrews, I, like those guys, I'm taking over Waller and Goddard every time. I think Waller and Goddard is a team discussion. Like, okay, do I want to win in 2021? Give me Waller. Am I willing to take a bit of a risk? Goddard. Okay, and, and that's completely fair. So then, so we've got through our top seven here, correct? You yes. work through seven. Okay, eight for me. I, I think this is a pretty clean line in the sand to start a new tier. I have Evan Ingram here. I still think he's a very good tight end. I, mean, I still think he's a very good football player. Again, a good football player, though. I do. I, I he genuinely was not a good believe. Football player in 2020 at all. Well, he was very that bad. whole, but that whole offense was bad. 
he's not he's not going to shine with Daniel Jones throwing him passes, and they have zero wide receivers, no Saquon Barkley. Is a losing proposition. I still think he's one of the best move tight ends in the NFL. I don't expect him to be out there blocking. I expect him to be out there playing wide receiver, and I think he's one of the better ones to do it. I just thoroughly despise his offense, and I could probably have him higher, but I, I think this is as high as he could be right now. Yeah, I, I have him at tight end nine, so one spot below where we are. But for me, I'm I'm scared of the floor that we saw in 2020 that – you know, he could play his way out of the NFL with how he, how he was playing in 2020. But like you said, maybe give him a bit of a mulligan. And he does have the high ceiling of, you know, one of the better move tight ends in the NFL when he's playing well. Um, so, yeah, I I have him at tight end nine after uh, one Mike Gusecki, who I have one spot above him. I'm, I'm a little bit lower uh, on Gusecki. But before we hop into Gusecki and the rest of these guys, Let's hear a quick word from our lovely, lovely sponsor, our lovely friends, Rotoviz. Ourselves. <laughs> What's up, Rotoviz listeners? It's Colin Kelly here, executive producer of Rotoviz Radio and one of the co hosts of the Rotoviz Overtime Podcast. I just wanted to drop by and say thank you, as always, for listening in to another Rotoviz Radio production. As a loyal podcast listener, you can save yourself 10% off a Rotoviz NFL pass right now at rotoviz.com forward slash podcast or by simply adding the code RVRADIO2021 at checkout. That'll get you access to all of the content and tools on the Rotoviz website, the best tools and content in the business for the best listeners in the business. As always, we do appreciate you listening to each and every show. And if you do have 5, 10, 15 seconds to spare, please drop a rating for today's show on your favorite podcast app. It is much appreciated. With all that said, thank you once again for tuning in. I hope you have a great day. Now let's get back to the show. Okay. And again, that is promo code RV Radio 2021. Make sure you get on over save yourselves a little bit of money and get all of the fun stuff that you need to succeed. So getting back into it, Nathan's got Gusecki a little bit higher. I do have him as a tight end one. He's at the very end of this tier for me. I have him at 12, but honestly, I think everyone from where I have Evan Ingram at eight to where I have Mike Gusecki at 12 are the same person, interchangeable value wise. Um, The only well, I, there's a couple in here, but do you do you kind of see this group kind of jumble together of of could be's should be's? I mean, this is like your superstars in the waiting, or really could make a huge leap group. Uh, well, I'll, I'll just go through what I have over the next few. So I, I have Gasecki, Ingram, Irv, and then I think there's a small tier break of then you got Logan Thomas, Ert, Ertz, Hurst. That's what I have here. Wow. Okay. Uh, I don't have either of those two you just mentioned anywhere near that. Correct. I, so at eight, I have Evan Ingram at nine. I have Hunter Henry. I know he's pending free agent. We could see Uh, him on the move. This happens every time. That's the one I missed. I I would have have Henry after Irv. Okay. And, and I have, I, I wanted Irv nine. I had to put Hunter Henry in there just because when he is on the field, he's, he's a tight end one. It's just, there's no way around it. Herb Smith again is a big potential play for me. I really thought he was going to do more in 2020. 
they still decided to just not use tight end, which, uh, you know, Minnesota's going to Minnesota. And Irv and another one of the guys that I, I absolutely love um, is Johnny Smith, who I have at 11. I know he could also be on the move. I would really like to see Tennessee keep him around the way that they did Delaney Walker for uh, another contract, but I guess that's up to them. So, again, Evan Ingram, Hunter Henry, Irv Smith, Johnny Smith, and then Mike Gusecki at 12. Uh, anybody there you disagree with or have a di- significantly lower? I, I have Smith down to 16, um, but that's the only you know discrepancy of what the guys you just went through. But I'm not against it. It's more so I, I feel like we've been waiting on – I mean, I know we always wait on tight ends, but I feel like we've been waiting on Smith to happen. And it's like, okay, if it's not going to happen now, when's it going to happen? I, and yeah, that's that's a, a very very valid point. Uh, I think the big difference in in separating him from someone like Hayden Hurst is when he's doing when he's out there and they're using him, he's a game changer. Hayden Hurst isn't taking over a game. He's no, but they st- they're using him, and I, sort of. I I will eat up those targets. I will eat up those red zone <laughs> targets. I will take a bait, a, ba- a bathe in them. I'll take a bath in those targets, especially when I'm talking about tight end. I'm trying to get as cheap as possible, and Hayden Hurst is the cheapest targets you can buy in tight ends right now. Well, then that's why you should have them lower. <laughs> um, okay, so kind of similar for the most part. We we disagree on some of the other guys. Uh, so, and I know did you mention Logan, Logan Thomas? You had in there. Yeah, Logan Thomas at twelve. Okay, I have him at at thirteen. Uh, right behind that tier, I have him in the next one following. 29 going on 30. Not a huge deal for tight end. We see tight ends produce into that early 30 stage. Uh, my big concern is Washington football team being absolutely god-awful. No quarterback that we know of. I would assume they draft one or trade for one or sign one, whatever it happens to be. And we have to worry about Antonio Gibson getting targets, potentially J.D. McKissick, who knows if he's sticking around, getting targets, and obviously Terry McLaurin getting targets. And, you know, Calvin Harmon could still potentially be a thing. Uh, don't even hurt. start Calvin Harmon. I don't know, man. They liked him. He just can't stay healthy. <laughs> um, I like Logan Thomas. I think Logan Thomas is is good. I don't think he's great. But it's, it's see, I, I see him as the opposite of Hurst. I think that you're paying a lot for each one of, of Logan Thomas' targets. Oh, see, I think you'd get him for less than Hayden Hurst at this point. No chance. No chance. Huh. Maybe. Interesting. I mean, I, I guess we have to pull up ADP to really pr- to prove anything, but uh, which, which I'll do as we're talking. But I, I would assume that that uh, Logan Thomas at the end of his season has skyrocketed. That's that's very possible. I guess he could be up in that that Hunter Henry range. Okay, so um, we can kind of push that one to the side just for the time being. Uh, up next, I've got Sir Eric Ebron because it's Eric Ebron, right? We have to have him somewhere. He, he just continues to linger, and this year he actually kind of produced a little bit. Uh, Eric Ebron's the exact guy I don't want on my fantasy <laughs> rosters. There's just there's nothing... There's nothing to like. He's about. new. Jared, he's new. Jared Cook. That's my call. He's new. Jared Cook. Okay. I, I mean, I can I can see it, but I, I have him much much lower. I have him at tight end twenty four. Um, Whoa. Yeah, but I'm not saying that the guys ahead of him probably won't have 
Like the guy, there, there are several guys I have ahead of him that won't have as good of careers as Eric Ebron. But I'll take that risk on the fact that I know that they're not Eric Ebron. <laughs> That's that's a reverse name value, I think, is what that's what that's actually called. Uh, I can respect it taking somebody off the list because of how many times you've been burned in the past. That's that's completely fair. Uh, Austin Hooper, I have here along are, with David Njoku. Are, are, are you are you ready for how wrong you were on uh, Logan Thomas versus Hayden Hurst? Oh, is it not even close? Logan Thomas, one nineteen, tight end twelve, and Hayden Hurst, one fifty six, tight end nineteen. So you have him way too high. He's bad. <laughs> he's not good. He's getting used, but he's not good. All right. Let's go through uh, some more guys in this area. So, Johnny Smith, we just talked about him. Oh, uh, Austin Hooper. Where, do you have him in this area? Yep. I, I have Austin Hooper and David Njoku back to back. Oh, okay. I, I have I have Njoku lower, and I thought I would be higher on him than you, but apparently not. But we'll talk about Njoku in a little bit. But as far as Hooper, I think he's just going to be st- – somewhat of a high floor play at this point where I, I don't really see Cleveland investing a ton at wide receiver and the, and Harrison Bryant's a guy who I have a few, a few spots below as well, but you know, Hooper has the contract in Cleveland. He's going to be a guy who probably gets you, you know, six to eight targets a game when he's healthy and that's fine for a tight end. Yeah. I will, you know, we'll see what Cleveland does, whether they try to move Odell or uh, they try to trade, uh, David Njoku. I don't know. Does he is, is his rookie contract up now? Njoku probably. Okay, so uh, theoretically, it's Austin Hooper's job, right? We don't think that uh, Bryant. I mean, they, they did it. like Harrison Bryant, though. Yeah, but you go out and spend the money on Austin Hooper. You'd expect you would expect to use him. You know, and maybe they move to the two tight end sets a little bit more, and then um, do something with Odell. Uh, and whether you keep, if you keep Odell, that offense, I, in my opinion, is still more dynamic. But they seem to produce better without Odell, which is <laughs> to try to explain that. Um, so yeah, I, I do still think David Njoku has, I mean, a world of potential. It's just been crazy inconsistent and injury littered there's no there's no way around it it's it's just been not good so far all right so now i'll run through my tight end 17 through we'll go with 21 we have i have cole Komet, oj howard adam troutman harrison bryant and tyler higby uh pretty similar uh, i don't have harrison bryant in my uh in my top 24, I guess. Uh, no, he's 23. Uh, Cole Komet's right there. OJ Howard's right there. Tyler Higby. Uh, I think those guys are, are pretty darn similar. Uh, I know, I think both of us still think the world of OJ Howard. Obviously, it's concerning that no one uses him. I still think he's a very good football player. I, but I, I do I mean that that Bucks offense was lost at the beginning of the season. And he was injured before it found itself. I would have loved to see OJ Howard in that Bucks offense from weeks 14 to present day. Yeah, because it would have been a big time change over Gronk. Think about Brady getting him the ball instead of Jameis Winston, right? I mean, that's, and we all know how much Brady loves his tight ends. We see what Cameron Brate has done over the, the, the life of the Bucks and what he did with Jameis Winston. So uh, I still think there's something there for OJ Howard to be had. Uh, it's unfortunate that we have to have him down here in the 20 range, but you know production production is everything and he just doesn't have it that and i'm pretty sure achilles that was the injury right and those right, usually and aren't good <laughs> that's not that's not great for a, a large human 
like OJ Howard, Tyler Higby and Gerald Everett. I, I like Gerald Everett. I, I think he's probably the better player, but the Rams seem hell bent on, on getting Higby involved. Not this year as much. I don't feel like either tight end really did a ton this year. Um, coming into the season, I know some people were still very, very high on Tyler Higby. All of those people got burned, but I, I feel like he was kind of fool's gold uh, as far as, you know, kind of fringe tight end one. Cause I think that's kind of where he came through last off season because of his previous production and the lack of usage of Gerald Everett. So um, I have both those guys like in this top and within five of each other, Gerald Everett's I think 25 for me, uh, but Cole Komet is an interesting one. I think that's probably where, where we wrap and have a conversation about Cole Komet because he was the first tight end drafted. Yeah. And goes to a notoriously friendly tight end team, I, I guess, tight end offense. I feel like Cole Komet could genuinely leap 10 spots in, in the following season. Maybe more. If that offense finds a quarterback, I'd love to see them get Deshaun Watson. That offense becomes incredible. I don't think Allen Robinson sticks around if anything but that happens. And even then, that might be difficult. I don't know what the cap situation looks like. I'm guessing probably not great. But Cole Komet has all of the potential. And we saw him do some pretty good things. Never really a lot, though. I, I do no, think... He did have some usage to end the season. Once once he started to get healthy, once he started to get his legs under him, he had seven targets, seven targets, two, six, eight, four targets. So six or more targets in four of the last six games. Not bad for a guy who basically didn't play for the first you know 12 games of the season. So... Uh, I, I liked what I saw towards the end of the season for Komet. This is a guy who, who can get a lot of usage. When you're drafted in the top 50 as a tight end, you're going to get that usage eventually. And like you said, there is the opportunity for that that quarterback situation to improve. Yeah, and as of right now, not a lot of competition for targets. You will have Tariq Cohen coming back, uh, who I do think is going to be a decent part of their offense when he uh, inevitably returns. Allen Robinson potentially... You know, maybe he resigns, I would guess, probably walks and finds himself a real quarterback for once in his career. And then uh, who, what's left? Anthony Miller. Uh, I mean, is he is he a thing or uh, do we still do we think Darnell Mooney is someone that can make a leap and become a wide receiver too in an NFL offense? I'm not sure. I, I do think Cole Kmet could genuinely be a tight end one. And I think he could be it pretty quickly. I, I all, you know, if we get this kind of consistency at the beginning of next season, he immediately leapfrogs 10 guys. Yep, for sure. All right, so let's wrap up with – we're not going to go through the rest of our list. We'll just talk about uh, one or two guys from the rest of your list or even beyond your list that you want to talk about. I want to talk about the Patriots tight ends, Devin Asiasi and Dalton Keene. I, I recognize that both these guys, the floor is zero. But they're both day two picks. They're both third round picks. And that Patriots offense has room to grow for targets with wide receivers and tight ends. I'm hitching my wagon to both these guys at the cost of free and hoping one of them hits. I think Devin Asiasi could be could be something. Um, he's the perfect type of end of bench kind of guy to have. Uh, someone has to take the job, right? Uh, you know, even even if the volume isn't incredible, someone has to take that job. So, 
Uh, I think if anyone is going to end up becoming their move tight end or, uh, you know, a slot type uh, wide receiver, it's going to be Devin. And I, you know, I, I want to think that there's volume there and potential big time production. I just, there's so many parts that aren't in place yet for new England. We don't know who's quarterback. The wide receivers are hideous um backfield is a mess still you know Damian Harris maybe James White's probably still there as a pass catching back but there's so many question marks and tight ends no different for this team there's it's just a massive toss-up so should these guys be rostered absolutely should you be expecting a lot probably not are you going to get a lot for in value for them no (laughs) because they're probably either free or you could probably get them for some waiver money Absolutely. So any other guys you want to hit on before we wrap up? One that I think could just randomly be something. We all thought he could be something until CeeDee Lamb was drafted is Blake Jarwin. Jarwin played the part. He looked good last year. Obviously, the injury derailed all of that. Having CeeDee Lamb derailed the other momentum that have potential. But if Dak is back, which I think we can all probably agree is the most likely outcome of the Cowboys saga is that Dak returns. Tight end doesn't require a ton of targets to be relevant. We're talking 90 to 100. If Dak throws it 600 times, 550 times, there's no reason to think Jarwin couldn't get enough of that to be relevant. That offense is going to be so good. If he gets a portion of the red zone, it's lights out. And I would assume he returns as the starter day one when he's back. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I talked about it the last time when, when we were doing the Jarwin talk last off season, like, okay, they could, they're a candidate to invest at tight end. Uh, and they didn't do it. Um, so once again, I think they're a candidate to invest in tight end, but who knows what their cap space with, you know, investing way too much money in Zeke. Um, but I think it's a solid play. I think that that's a very, you know, explosive offense when Dak's in with all those wide receivers. And if I can get a piece of it in the form of the tight end, I think it's a bad play. Yeah. And honestly, it should be cheap or free. Uh, again, that's kind of what we're looking for when you're, when you're looking a little deeper at tight end is just trying to find something to fill roster space with, that has genuine upside. You can't, I mean, anyone can just grab a name and throw it at the end of your bench, but these guys have genuine upside, not just, Hey, he might score seven points one time. And you could have started him if you picked the exact week that he scored seven points one time. All right, let's wrap up with a little bit of Super Bowl slash bucks talk. So I'm going to, I'm going to do a little brain dump of my feelings, or I guess it'd be a feelings dump of how I'm <laughs> feeling right now as a Buccaneers fan. I went into the Saints game saying there's no way they beat the Saints. The Saints are a much better team than them, and they spanked the Saints. Went to the Packers game saying, okay, well, we beat the Saints, so maybe we have a shot against Green Bay, but ultimately Green Bay is a better team. Beat Green Bay. It's bad because I think they have a chance. Is that bad? Uh, If it's bad, then I'm probably in trouble too. Oh, are you in on the Bucks? I may or may not. 
have placed a wager on said box. Money line or, or three and a half? To win and cover. Well, I mean, if they win, they do cover. That's how well, you can do both. You can do both. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah. I guess I know how gambling works. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm saying, like, if they win, they therefore cover. So. Correct. Yes, because I don't know if anyone knows this, the Chiefs are favorited. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think, uh, you know, the defense is the difference maker. I think the offense is going to do and, enough. Well, the, the real difference maker is the Chiefs' offensive line. That's the that's the only thing yeah. that beat, you know, prime Brady in New England. And it's the only thing that's going to beat prime Mahomes. Yeah, no, no. Eric Fisher is is tough. That was that was brutal. You'd like to see the two teams compete one hundred percent and have their. No, guys. no. I mean, if they have their third string offensive line, that's all I need. <laughs> <laughs> Nathan is not. Nathan is definitely not a Bucks fan. Never, ever in a million years would he be. No, I, I think Bucks win a close one, but I do think the Bucks defense is the difference maker because they actually have a defense. The Chiefs do not. And if you're going to pick a non-Brady Super Bowl MVP, who do you got? Non-Brady Super Bowl MVP is probably... So this is assume the Chiefs win. Travis Kelsey, I would assume. Okay, I, I when I said non-Brady, I meant like the Bucks. <laughs> when the Bucks win, if he plays, I know he was out last week, Antoine Winfield Jr. At the last time the Bucks won the Super Bowl... It was with the safety winning Super Bowl MVP, but I will, I will, I will get on one thing. If the Chiefs win, my Super Bowl MVP pick is McCall Hartman. It could happen, right? He's got to show up eventually. <laughs> All right, that should wrap us up for this evening. Go Bucks, uh, go uh, uh, Antoine Winfield if he plays. Uh, appreciate you guys listening. Make sure to uh, like, subscribe, rate, review all those great things, and uh, get your Rotovis subscription. RV Radio 2021. We love you a long time. Adios.